Welcome to the Hand Down Man Down Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Hand Down Man Down Podcast. This is Danny Thompson signing back on. I got my man Tim on the line. What's going on, Tim? What's up, bro? Ain't much, man. Ain't much, man. Especially after a wild draft night, but we'll get into that a little wild bit later on. Um, just want to introduce, we got a very special guest on today. We got Oliver Maroney. He was working with, with Dime Magazine. He's coming on today to help us help us out with today's episode, man. So, Oliver, what's going on with you? Not much, guys. Not much. Uh, just uh, enjoying NBA offseason and Big Three and everything else that uh, the basketball world has to offer. Nice, nice. Can't complain about that, man. Can't complain about that. And, you know, of course, we're going to get into we got a big episode today. We're going over our this is our NBA awards preview show. So we get to go over who we think is going to win every award from MVP to the highly contested rookie of the year award, even on down to coach of the year. But before we get into all that, I don't know if you remember, but we just had the NBA draft and there were so many different you know, moves and shakes from last night that it was hard to keep up with. Almost lost track of how many rolls bombs that was dropped between him and Sham. So it was crazy. But as you, I mean, as you probably already know, we already know DeAndre Ayton went number one and then Marvin Bagley went two. But the big thing that happened was you saw Luka Doncic went to, went to three, but immediately we saw he was traded for Trey Young. So I don't know about you guys, but I think Dallas got the win in that, in that trade. So what do you think about Doncic's fit in Dallas and Trey Young's fit in Atlanta. Oliver, what do you think about that? Yeah, I love Luca. I think he's going to be a good te- a good player in the NBA. Now, look, I'm not here to say that he's going to be the next superstar. I'm not, like, bullish on him in any way, shape, or form. I think he's going to be a very good NBA player. I think the floor is clearly the part that I think is most intriguing with Luca you know that you're getting a guy that's going to probably put up anywhere between 10 and 20 points, you know, five to seven assists and maybe four to six rebounds in a night. And he's, he's tall. Uh, he's obviously got a shooting ability. Um, he can get his own shot. He's not athletic uh, like a lot of the other prospects at the top of the draft. But I think he's played against guys, grown men, so I think he's got the opportunity to really shine and really become a really good player in this league. I think Dallas is a great fit for him. And then on the other side of things, Trey Young, I also think can be an elite player. Uh, I think his shooting ability, and I think what's the most underrated part of his game is his passing ability. I, I think he can really find players on the court. He's got a very, very good vision. Um, he sees things before they happen. Uh, and obviously he just didn't really have the, the – I, I don't think the – supporting cast to really do much. Uh, you know, when you're asked to do so much in college, like Curry was, uh, like Jimmer, like a lot of these players are, uh, you know, there's going to be games where you're just not going to be as good and teams are going to focus on you and solely on you. And it, it, it makes it really tough uh, being a, you know, 18, 19 year old kid trying to make things happen uh, in the elite level of college basketball. So, I think he's got some room for improvement and growth, but I think Atlanta's a great landing spot for him. I think Kevin Herter, the guy that he drafted alongside him, will help him tremendously. Both those guys can dribble the ball. Both those guys can shoot. Uh, they have very similar strengths, and I think that will really help them. And both of them are are unselfish. I think you don't find that very often in the league. So I like what Atlanta did. I like what Dallas did. But I definitely, if I was to pinpoint one team that won the draft, I think Dallas did a tremendous job of just getting somebody who can they, they can plug and play. They can win right away. Oh, yeah, no question, because Dallas was one of my big winners from last night, too, because even with the, the Doncic trade and them getting Luka Doncic to pair him up with Dennis Smith Jr., they finished, they answered that well within the second round and picked up Jalen Brunson from out, out of Villanova last night, who is pretty much a proven winner. He won pretty much every major college basketball award last year, and then he's also one of those strong point guards who can do it all. He can create his own shot. He's going to be feisty on defense. And one of the things that's going to make him excel well at the next level is the fact that he competes, you know, at both ends of the floor. So I feel like Dallas is one of the bigger winners last night. Um, Tim, who was, who was one of, who was your, you know, real winner from last night besides Dallas? Cause I know as a Wizards fan, I don't know how you, how you feel about Troy Brown getting picked 15, but 
I saw a lot of people not happy with that pick. What was your take on that? Um, the take on the Wizards pick it was it was kind of iffy with me because like like I said, I wanted um Robert Williams, the more athletic big, and we actually was texting during the draft, and we both thought that that was going to be the pick. Um, but my winner from yesterday, I think I would say Denver, and the reason why I say Denver, not necessarily just well, not necessarily a winner. I just think that they they kind of got a gem uh, and Michael Porter Jr. because he dropped significantly down to the last pick of the lottery to Denver. Um, I actually thought that he should have went high. Maybe the medical was out that he shouldn't have went as a high pick. But with him pairing up in the backcourt with Jamal, we're not in the backcourt as a three with um, Jamal Murray already being there and Gary Harris. I think that would be a solid, that was a solid pickup for them. Kind of that he'll be healthy and ready for um, – <clears throat> Excuse me, ready for the um, start of the season. Yeah, no question. Because with him, he won't he won't immediately immediately have to come in and have to be like the big star that you know everybody thinks he has the value to be. Because he's already going right. to a situation where he already has three you know solid you know leaders already on the team with Jokic and and Jamal Murray and Gary Harris already filling that lineup in. So he can come in immediately. He can come in and make contributions immediately. It doesn't have to be like the huge thing. We expect a lot of the stars who were drafted early to be, you know, like the guys like DeAndre Ayton and Marvin Bagley the third is supposed to come in and be like the big star for the team. But right. he falls into a situation where, again, he doesn't have to immediately come in and have to do everything. He can he can get some rest and come in and just come and just contribute at a real good pace that'll help Denver, you know, see them shoot up a little bit in the standings because last year they was it was they were on a clutch of make on a crest of making the playoffs last year, right. last season. Right. But I think them picking up uh Michael Porter Jr. at that pick was one of the higher value picks. Along with that, and then you mentioned Robert Williams, him going to Boston was a huge, huge asset for them. So right. anytime, anytime Danny Ainge can, you know, get a top 10 talent that late in the draft, it's definitely a win-win situation. But the draft last night was was eventful, to say the least. You know, some big-time trades happened. Uh, a lot of moves happened. A lot of, you know, shaking up was taking place. You know, we all thought that people figured Kawhi Leonard was going to come and get traded last night, but they they're going to find a way to get that worked on. But we can get to that on another subject because we got one of the bigger events coming up for the NBA season at the end of the year, and that's the NBA awards that's supposed to be on the 25th. So that's next week, and with all the awards talk that's supposed to happen, it's going to be it's going to be eventful to see who you who we think is going to be winning. And that's here we're going to do on this episode of the Hand Down Man Down Podcast. Let's pretty much give you our predictions of who we think is going to win the awards that's supposed to be coming up. So you got your MVP, your Rookie of the Year, the Sixth Man, Defensive Player of the Year, Most Improved, and also Coach of the Year. Um, we're going to get right into it here. I want to start off with the biggest award, and that's the MVP. Um, finally, you got, you know, that's LeBron, James Harden, and, of course, Anthony Davis. And... I don't know if y'all on the same train as I am, but I think that's a run and shoot award for Harden um, with everything that he was able to show for the Rockets this past season. I don't know. What do you guys think? Who do you think is going to win the MVP award? Yeah, I think we all, well, I'm on the, the train with you with James Harden. Um, Oliver, what about you? Yeah, I think James runs away with this. Um, you know, the, it's unfortunate that we do this at the end, end of the regular season um, because I do think that the postseason has something to give give and offer, and I think that that should be part of the, you know, 80-plus game Agreed. experience. But uh, that being said, it's probably going to be James Harden by quite a margin. I wouldn't sh- It wouldn't shock me if LeBron is closer than many people anticipate. Uh, I think he had a lot of late um, opportunities to, to grab some votes even later in the season, you could just tell he was kind of getting into that form. So maybe he has a few more votes. And I think a lot of people looked at that Cleveland Cavaliers team and said, how are they even in the playoffs in the first place? So I think there's value, quote unquote, there. But yeah, it's got to be James Harden. I think he's going to run away with it. And deservingly so, I I think for the most part, he was the, you know, I I don't know. I I hate the term most valuable. I I just, there's no way to really discern what that means um there's right. so many different meanings to it so for me it's like 
the best player this season, you know, the most outstanding player this season, that's James Harden. And right. to me, that's what the MVP has been historically. So that's what it should continue to be. But uh, in my opinion, like I said, I, I don't like the word. I don't like the way it's prefaced because if that's the case, there's guys on, the, the, you know, teams that win 30-plus games, 20-plus games that are just as valuable, if not more valuable. And you look at some of the teams that shouldn't be in the playoffs, that make the playoffs, those are teams that have guys on it that are very uh, valuable as well. Right. Yeah, definitely. Definitely I can agree with that. Um, most of you try to look at it, and I'm I'm with you. I think MVP should should change at this point. I don't think it matches what it's supposed to mean. It's supposed to mean by the person who's the most valuable. Um, and that, to me, that includes with stats and what you see on the floor value for that player. Yeah, because um, Draymond could be Draymond could be a most valuable player every year if if it was about the value of a team. Because he's no question. Red, Golden State in every stat line going down the line. So uh, yeah. no question. Because if you, when you look at it, I mean, Draymond Green's value is is just is just as high, if not more, than say a James Harden. And at the same time, we're talking about value. I mean, we got to look at what LeBron did. LeBron his 15th season. As he much every as year. he does it every <laughs> year, he should he should get it every year because without him, Cleveland is always going to be on the outside looking in because you got to think about it. We were sitting there looking at Cleveland, you know, if we all said if they didn't have LeBron, they'd be in the lottery every year, which is the case every single time they were LeBron James wasn't on that team. I mean, look what happened a couple years ago when he left to go to Miami. Cleveland was back picking in the lottery again at the top pick. And now you get him back, and here they are again as one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. So it's that that whole, you know, I'm with you, Oliver and Tim. That whole definition of value is kind of one sided because it usually should just mean the most outstanding season. And um, and I don't think the award should stop at the regular season only because you still have to go through the playoffs. Because if you go through that, if you include the regular season and the playoffs, then it's hands down the most valuable player is LeBron James. Um, but since, but since they stopped it at the regular season, we all know the award was pretty much a runaway for James Harden. It's going to be a, you know, a very wide margin. I'm with you. I don't, I wouldn't be shocked if LeBron is closer than what people think he's going to be, but in the end, it's still going to be an award for James Harden after the season he had, he averaged 30 points, eight assists and five rebounds a game. Um, and even if, and even if you and even if you have, you know, the stats parts of it, I mean, you can look at the analytics. I mean, his win shares led the league. You know, his 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 plus minus is one of the top in the league. But we can say the same thing about LeBron and Anthony Davis. But in the end, we all know this is James Harden's award to lose. So I yeah, don't led the league led the league in um, threes too. Last year, two hundred sixty five threes. Right. So. <laughs> I don't I don't see a change in that. The real award that I want to get into, and this is the award I kind of had the hardest decision trying to make, and I couldn't even make a predicted winner. And that's rookie of the year. You know, that came down to Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell, and Jason Tatum. But I feel like Jason Tatum would just add it on there just to put a third finalist in there because we all know the awards will come down to either Ben Simmons or Donovan Mitchell. And Tim, you've been harking on this for a long time. You think it's Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, just the definition itself, I mean, we all know it's going to be to Ben Simmons, but, like, you know my argument with the rookie of the year. If anything needs to be changed, I think it needs to be the rookie of the year because we all know, like, I mean, Donovan Mitchell wore the shirt. Like, it, it, it spoke for itself. Like, he even feels that Ben Simmons should be in the race for um, rookie of the year. But, I mean, he is. So, um, it will go to Ben Simmons. I mean, just for the – I guess the if you look at the average points, it's average 16 points per game, um, eight rebounds, eight assists. Player efficiency at 20.03. Um, but with the score, if you compare that to Donovan Mitchell, I wouldn't take the score as a as a up the of uh, a reason why I would give it to him because I think Donovan Mitchell, with his like we all know, he had more responsibility on the offensive end for Utah, so. The scoring purposes and efficiency wouldn't be a good argument, but I think overall we all seen that Ben Simmons he came on this year as a one of the 
one of the point fours that I didn't even think that he w- was would be the shooting. It wasn't good as far as the jump shot. He has to work on that. But rookie of the year, he was the best that out. Jason Tatum came on late. Also, Kyle Kuzma had flashes of what he could have been. It wasn't consistent throughout the year. So I'll give it to I yeah. Ben Simmons would be not a clear run, but the rookie of the year to me. What you guys think? No. I mean, I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been pretty vocal about Donovan Mitchell winning Rookie of the Year. Um, look, the statistics will tell you that Ben Simmons should win the award. Right. The media, for the most part, will tell you uh, Simmons should win the award. Um, he makes his teammates, quote-unquote, better, and, you know, he's the point forward. He's got all the flash. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think – him being in an NBA locker room for an entire um, for an entire season without playing helps him. Uh, and actually, after this whole debacle exactly. with exactly. Philadelphia 70, Philadelphia 76ers GM mentioning that, even kind of alluding to the fact that they sat him out the last like 20 games to give him an opportunity to win the Rookie of the Year award this year. As bad as that may be, as petty as that may sound, I just don't really like it. I don't, I don't appreciate that. Um, right. It's kind of like fixing the rules to help yourself, and to me, that that's just it doesn't sit well with me. And you know, you just look at what Donovan Mitchell was capable of. I think outright, uh, Mitchell not only did more with less for most of the season. Uh, you know, he was without Rudy Gobert for thirty plus games. Um, when Rudy Gobert goes down early in the season, I think basically everybody wrote them off. They did not think that they would make the playoffs. There's no way. The Western Conference is too tough. You know, on and on and on. And Mitchell goes on an extraordinary run, averaging close to 30 points a night in February, uh, January. And, you know, just being able to be a facilitator, just dominate both ends of the floor, be aggressive, and just he brought light to the – to the stage and I think that it really deserves a lot more credit than what it's being given and I know he's a superstar and now people are touting him big time and all the rest of it I just think that me personally the eye test goes so much in favor of Mitchell in my opinion and I do think that Simmons is a somewhat one-dimensional in the sense that he can't shoot I think teams can game plan for a guy like Simmons better than they can for a guy like Mitchell we saw it in the playoffs Simmons disappeared in the Celtics series and Mitchell rose to the occasion and beat the Oklahoma city thunder when a lot of people were taking Oklahoma city to beat Utah. So I, you know, I got to give it to Mitchell. Uh, I know a lot of people will be against that pick. Uh, I know many people are against that pick, but uh, for me, like I said, uh, I was just watching the two play. I I think there's one that is more talented at basketball um, given his size and given everything that he's got. And that's Mitchell to me. Yeah, I can definitely see Donovan Mitchell winning. Um, the only reason I said I had a problem picking this award is because of the fact that if we're going off of the eye test, I'm with you guys. Donovan Mitchell was runaway rookie of the year. I mean, yeah. he was – Oliver, you said it best. We had – Everything Oliver just said. <laughs> I had Utah written completely off when Rudy Gobert went down. I was not expecting them to hey. even – Hey, the Utah Jazz fans started writing letters saying, Tank, get us out of here. Let's get a good pick so we can build around Donovan Mitchell and company. That was it. That was the narrative. And it changed drastically. I mean, it, I'll give you this. I think they went 11-16 and 16 with Mitchell in the lineup without Gobert or something like that. And people point to the record and they say, like, well, the record, you know, that's not great. The problem with that is, if you look at the games that they played and the teams that they played against, they play Golden State twice, they play Houston twice, they play San Antonio twice, they played Oklahoma City twice. It was a, it was the toughest schedule uh, of any NBA team in that stretch. So, I don't think any player in the league. You put LeBron in that situation. I don't think he's going. I think he's going very similarly to what Mitchell did. So. There's a lot more to it, I think, that people just, you know, they just look at the stats and they say, all right, this is this is better than this. And that's just the way we are. We're just in this generation of click on something, look at the first few words, exit out. Uh, everything is just here and now. And unfortunately, 
that's why I think Ben Simmons is going to run away with this thing, but it, it really should be a lot closer than, than what the, the votes say. You're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, we also got to remember it was, it was to a point where I believe it was after the, I think it was after it was a point in January from January to maybe almost the end of the season, Utah had the best record in the NBA. They were strides ahead above everybody else, including, you know, the people who were met in the finals and in Houston. So it was it was amazing to see that those, you know, where Utah came, especially with under Donovan Mitchell being the leader that he was for them. It was it was amazing to see that he was balling out of this world with Rudy Gobert out of the lineup. And as soon as they got Rudy Gobert back, that just opened it up even more for Donovan Mitchell because then we started to realize, oh, shoot, he can shoot the lights out the gym. He, I think he broke – Um, I forgot whose record it was. It was most threes by a rookie. He broke that record this season. And then again, like you said, when it got to the playoffs, he was miles ahead of everybody, including Donovan Mitchell, who didn't – Who I mean, not Donovan Mitchell, uh, Ben Simmons, who didn't virt- – who virtually sh- did not show up in the Boston series, which I was amazed at seeing because – Boston, and this is where I give credit to Brad Stevens, and we'll get to him later on. He made a move where he was able to switch and put Al Horford on Ben Simmons. Now, if you now if any one of us were on the basketball, we're thinking to myself, okay, abuse Al Horford. This is where you can show them like you can shoot the jump shot, but he went invisible. He in term in terms of you know, yeah, Stephen point. A. Smith, he was, he was, he played shorter than many me. And it was, it was shocking to see that because I was not expecting that from somebody who we were talking about being the rookie of the year for the way he was playing during the season. But I mean, I can see where people are thinking Ben Simmons will be rookie of the year. Um, I wouldn't necessarily agree with it, uh, disagree with it. But at the same time, I'm also the mindset you got to look at it and be like, who was an official rookie? Because technically speaking, Ben Simmons has right. been in the league for a year already. So why is he about, even, oh, why is he even even being included in the award? That's the same way with what happened with Blake Griffin a couple years ago. Because we were all saying John Wall is hands down rookie of the year, but because right. Blake Griffin sat out a year and he didn't necessarily play, he technically qualified for the award and wound up running away with it. So, I mean, when you think about it, I could not see, I don't, I don't not see Donovan Mitchell winning this award. Um, That's who I think, that's why I feel should win it. But in the long run, only because of, you know, the way it was portrayed throughout the season, Ben Simmons is going to win the award. Yeah. And just to piggyback on what um, what Oliver said, like um, this, it shouldn't stop at just a regular season. Like, because if you think about it, if we was to put the postseason into thought with these awards, it, with that one-point game, like, that would have took Ben Simmons out of the running for Brigitte of the Year. Like, regardless of if he, was there, if he wasn't supposed to be in the running um, from jump, like, that one-point game and him letting Al Horford lock him up in that playoffs would have gotten Mitchell over the edge to me for rookie of the year. So like even if we was to take the postseason into consideration for these awards, I think a lot of these um a lot of um winners for these awards will be a little um shaken up or just a closer race for some of these awards than others. Right. And you and then we brought up a good point and Oliver, I don't know how you feel about this, but we haven't once mentioned Jason Tatum. And Jason Tatum was was a monster from the time he set foot on the court to the time they you know, exited the playoffs against Cleveland. I mean, his his coming out moment was that dunk on LeBron. I don't know how you feel about it, Oliver. And I know, Tim, you probably feel the same way as I do. Jason Tatum should be, if not second, in the Rookie of the Year award behind Donovan Mitchell, once you think about it. He will be, yeah, he will be. Yeah, if you consider the postseason, I think that's where I'd probably slot the players. I think I'd probably have Mitchell one, Tatum two, and Simmons three. However, like I said, I... I don't really understand the point in even counting Simmons. It doesn't really make much sense to me. The award is somewhat meaningless in the first place, and the fact that they he somehow qualified for it just it doesn't add up to me. Being around, I've I've had executives tell me this. I've had you know guys like David Griffin, guys players tell me this. 
being around an NBA locker room, getting NBA training, being in with the coaching staff, watching film three times a day, as opposed to being in college, is a certain advantage. And to yeah, me, I say the same thing. it's just I say like, the same thing. it's just, just, it's a non-qualifier for me. It just really, <laughs> just, just lose the rule. Uh, I think that's the silly, right. it's just, it to me, doesn't really make much logical sense. But if we're, if we're talking about it, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, if it's in the postseason, I, I think, I think I'd probably say Mitchell just based on the the workload he had to have in order to win against Oklahoma City. Um, and then I'd probably put Tatum two and, and Simmons three. That's probably how I'd look at it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no question. So we already know this is going to be the most highly contested, most debated award once the award show is over. And – you know, I don't it's it's either way, someone's gonna be happy on both sides of the equation. You know, someone's gonna be happy that Ben Simmons didn't win it, someone's gonna be unhappy, Donovan Mitchell's gonna didn't win it. And I can I can just see it once the next day after the awards is over, we're gonna be debating and talking about who should have been rookie of the year more than who we thought should have been MVP or any other award that's coming on that night. So it's going to be an interesting night to say the least to see who take home rookie of the year award. And, you know, more than likely once it, once the show hits on, that's going to be one everyone's going to be paying attention to, but, you know, we get on to the next award and that's usually the defensive player of the year award we've seen over the past couple of years. It's usually bigs who win the award. And this year is going to be no different because the three finalists are Anthony Davis, Rudy Gobert and Joel Embiid. And, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I think defensive player of the year should go to Anthony Davis this year. He was, and this is just in my opinion, from what I saw on the basketball court, from looking at statistics, he was hands down the best defensive player this year. Um, He led the league in blocks. He also pulled down 11 rebounds and had one point, a a steal, a one and one and a half steals a game. Um, even when he was, you know, he wasn't on the floor. If you look at it analytically, he he allowed 102 points per 100 possessions. Um, and even then, he also had a good defensive win shares number. So it'll be, it was, his defensive win shares was 4.9, which is third in the league. And I don't see how he could not be defensive, defensive player of the year award, uh, defensive player of the year this year. So Unless you can see, make an argument for either Rudy Gobert or Joel Embiid, I would love to hear it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Anthony Davis deserves a crack at it. Uh, man, if I, if I was to pick and choose, I, I really do think that Rudy Gobert, for me, the way that he impacted – the defensive end of the floor in the playoffs and in the regular season, I think made a huge difference. Um, but I can't fault you for picking Anthony Davis. I mean, I, I think those are the two best picks. Um, I think Joel Embiid, uh, as much as people say Joel Embiid's a great defensive player and he had moments and, you know, had, had opportunities, I do kind of feel like he was lacking – uh, a little bit in comparison to Rudy Gobert or Anthony Davis. I think he – I don't know why, I guess, what I'm trying to say is I don't know why there was so much love given to him over some of the other guys. And I, I kind of feel like he's maybe third or fourth down on that list. Not to say that he's not a great player, but I just think that he still has a lot of room for improvement um, on that side of the ball. But if I was to choose right now, I'd probably say Rudy Gobert. Um, AD definitely deserves to be in that conversation as well. Tim, who do you think is going to be defensive player of the year? Yeah, either um either pick is either pick is cool with me. I I took um Rudy Gobert, and the reason I took Rudy Gobert is because um I think the the defensive um them defensively as a whole, the Utah Jazz were um third, and um, the Pelicans were sixth. Um, Rudy Gobert, he um he just to me, I think it was better overall for the defense that as a team. So I think that that's what took him over to knock on me. But like you guys say, Anthony Davis, I mean, if he would want, if he was, was to win the award, 
I wouldn't be mad. I don't think it would be too much of an uproar. Um, either two um, would be a good pick for me, but I did take Rudy Gobert over Anthony Davis. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, again, I wouldn't be mad either way of who won the award and who didn't, and that's only because I know for a fact that Rudy Gobert on the defensive end was a huge, huge asset to the Utah Jazz. Like I said, they were one of the they were one of the top defensive teams in the league last year, and you know, at the anchor of all that was was Rudy Gobert, and with everything that he brings to the defensive defensive end, not just not just um, you know, not with the blocking of the shots or not with him just rebounding, you know, with him just being what he can do on on that end is just says a lot to what he can do um, on defense. Because when you look at the stats, if you go back to look at how they did on defense, um, the Utah Jazz, they allow the, if you look at total points, they were tied at the top with the San Antonio Spurs. And, but if you look at, you know, on average, what they allowed during the season, I believe, trying to put, trying to um, see what I had here on that on that end. Um, they were they allowed ninety nine points a game last year, and most of that was due to the fact that they had an anchor like Rudy Gobert in the in the, that was man in the paint, along with the being on the perimeter. What Donovan Mitchell did with Rudy what Ricky Rubio did on the defensive end, but we all know it starts and ends with Rudy Gobert on the defensive end. But that could go for the same thing for Anthony Davis too because um, Anthony Davis was the anchor for the defense for the longest on for New Orleans. And that's right. with who he had playing on the perimeter with with uh, Drew Holiday and Rajon Rondo. So I, again, I couldn't, I couldn't see no one else, either of those two winning the award. And Oliver, you're right. I don't know why. I mean, Joel Embiid is good to get nominated for the award, but I don't think it's necessarily an award that he's going to win. Um, yeah, I think it was just like that, getting the third person in the race, so they just, he was the closest one. Like, I, yeah, I don't but... Yeah, definitely yeah, seems with that being the case. But coming down to just those two, I wouldn't be mad at that award. Um, and now we're going to get into it. Now we got the sixth man of the year award. Sixth man is usually the best man off the bench for, for a lot of listeners who don't know what the sixth man is. And with this one, it can't, it's going to come down to either Eric Gordon, Fred Van Vliet, or Lou Williams. Um, to me, this is hands down. This is a, an award, again, like James Harden with the MVP. This is an award that Lou Williams should win. Um, he was spectacular coming off the bench for the Los Angeles Clippers. And the fact that um, he averaged 22 points, two rebounds, and almost almost six assists a game for them, um, it was it was great to see. You know, when he wasn't when he was on the floor, they had an offensive rating of 112. That was one of the tops in the league when Lou Williams was on the floor. So it's going to be crazy to see Lou Williams not win the award, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah I I'm with you. Too. Yeah. yeah, we're all on the same train with that one. Yeah, Lou's got to win this. Uh, I think the Clippers were in the playoff hunt for as long as they were because of Lou. And, yeah, he should win this running away. He had a 50-point game also this year against Golden State in the win. So, I think he out of all three of the guys that's in the run, I think he had the high, one of the highest scoring games anyway. So. And, like, with everything yeah. Danny said, with the the way the Clippers were playing with him on the court, uh, yeah, it's hard not to give it to him. Almost averaging 23 points and six assists. Probably one of the best, Lou Williams' best years. After the, yeah, 2000, he, what, the 2015 when he won it. Yeah he's, in, yeah, he's in that same category with the likes of Jamal Crawford. Um, he doesn't necessarily have to start for a team. He can just be that guy coming straight off the bench and being a havoc for the opposing, for the opposing team that's coming to that bucket. building or if they're on the road. Okay. So I I definitely don't see how Lou Williams shouldn't win the award. Um, Eric Gordon, it was a it was a good thing to see him win the award last year. And then I didn't I didn't know Fred Van Vliet was 
on the was going to be on the the ticket for six man of the year award because we didn't start hearing anything about him at least i didn't anyway until at least with the playoffs rolled around because once the playoffs rolled around he's playing well until they ran into the likes of big brother cleveland and you know wind up getting swept out of the playoffs by cleveland so it's it, again, I'm with you guys. Um, is this an award for Lou Williams to take home, hands down and handily, because of the fact of what he played and what he brought to the table for the Clippers? So I definitely see that being an award for Lou Williams to win. And then we get to it. We got the most improved player. This comes down to Clint Capella, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Victor Oladipo. This, like the Six Man of the Year award, was the easiest choice for me. It's Victor Oladipo. I mean, to see what he did and how he led Indiana this season, I don't see how you can't pick him as most improved. Compared to where he was at last year with Oklahoma City, um, he really didn't find his place playing alongside Russell Westbrook, and it was it was kind of <laughs> difficult to really get a good Nobody fitting in with that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, very few can do it, and – Oladipo suffered because of it. So when he got sent to Indiana in the Paul George trade, you know, people were thinking, oh, he's going to, you know, he might not be the same player, but he revamped his, his health. He changed up his training regimen and he turned into an absolute beast for Indiana this year. And, you know, getting into an all-star team, um, average 23 points, five rebounds and four assists a game. He was the, he was, Quintessentially, he was the leader of the team last year. And Oliver, I don't know how you feel about that, but I think you you might. I don't know if you see my side of things, but do you think Victor Oladipo should get most improved? No doubt about it. Yeah, there's not even really a question to me. I think he just. I mean, he does. He did some things all year that were just uh, hard to do. I mean, you know, just being in the situations that he's been in, being drafted as high as he was. Uh, doubted, gets traded to Oklahoma City, doesn't look like the same player, signs that big extension. People are criticizing him, saying that he's not worth the money. He gets traded again in the Pacers trade. They Everybody's ruling the Pacers trade a, a steal and how they got Paul George on the cheap. And, you know, I think Indiana did a tremendous job. And that's why I give not only Victor Oladipo a ton of credit for improving and getting after it in the offseason and just doing whatever he can to be the best player that he can be. But you have to give credit to Nate McMillan for putting him in that position to succeed. You have to give a ton of credit to Kevin Pritchard, the GM of the Indiana Pacers, who had other offers on the table, decided to take the Oklahoma City offer. It paid off. And now he's got his long-term shooting guard of the future and a guy that's bought into the city, loves the city. Um, it's just a great feel-good story, to be honest. I mean, that, this is one of the best stories, I think, of all, all year, all season. Uh, just seeing the way that he played, all the passion that he had. You just didn't see that in Victor Oladipo's first few seasons. And I think that he really came out to prove people wrong, and he did himself justice. Yeah, no question. Tim, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's a, it's a runaway to Oladipo. He's up to scoring almost every season since he's been in the NBA. Um, Indiana won six more games within there last year. Um. And he got his first All-Star nod this year, so like, it's it's no argument that Victor Oladipo shouldn't get most should get most improved. Like, it's it's a clear runaway. Yeah, no question. Um, don't get me wrong. Spencer Dinwiddie had a he had a coming out party this season playing for Brooklyn. Uh, but the only other person I can see probably competing with Oladipo for this award was Clint Capella, who's also one of the finalists for the award. Um. Right. He was he was a huge huge success for Houston this year, and it's going to be inter- interesting to see if if the Rockets will match any offer that's given to a team because he's only going to be a restricted free agent this summer. And you know, in my opinion, I don't see how you can't uh, bring him back for the award. So I mean, not for the award, but to the team because his value was amazing for the Rockets this year. But in terms of just most improved. Um, we've all mentioned it. Victor Oladipo is is a runaway with it, and I don't see how no one else will take the award away from him. Um, and now the only other thing we got to really discuss at this point is Coach of the Year. 
And, you know, with Dwayne Casey, Quinn Snyder, and Brad Stevens, I don't see how you can't give the award to Brad Stevens, which is kind of funny because if you've seen it already, the National Association of Basketball Coaches gave Coach of the Year to Dwayne Casey. And right. we all know what happened to Dwayne Casey at the end of the year. He was fired. Right. So I don't see how you can't give Coach of the Year over somebody like Brad Stevens. Um, don't get me wrong, Quinn Snyder was the only other was my only other option for the award if it just came down to those two, just because of what he did in Utah. But I think the runaway award is going to be Brad Stevens. Um had Boston is one of the Boston was one of the top defensive teams in the league. Um and through all the energy they had with Gordon Hayward going down as early as the first game of the season. Kyrie with his knee injury, we pretty much had Boston, you know, pictured as somebody who's just going to make the playoffs and then make it to the second round and not go any further. But they wind up going into the conference finals and giving Cleveland a series. And as, and that's that says a lot to the players, but also says a lot to coaching. He pretty much, you know, led that team from the time Kyrie went down to the time they were the playoff run was over for those guys. And to me, the only other person who can compete with that is Quinn Snyder. Oliver, what do you think about that? Uh, you know, I like Brad Stevens. Uh, you know, um, I think when I was doing the end-of-season stuff, I picked Nate McMillan just because Indiana Pacers were picked to be a lottery team, team that was going to be in the top part of the draft, and they just overachieved on every level. Uh, but, you know, Dwayne Casey was a great – option I, I think he should have been in that consideration brad stevens i think should be way up there he certainly got the most out of his guys like he does every year uh quinn snyder should, should have been in that conversation um those are kind of the four i would say um after that i, I do think mike d'antoni deserved uh some props being able to mesh chris paul and harden the way he did create the mvp candidate once again in james harden and you know get that houston rockets team to historic levels uh, you have to give some credit to that organization and the coaching staff for the way they put that thing together because it, we've seen it in the past. Oklahoma City tried to do it this year, build a super team or put an extra superstar on the team, and it just doesn't work out typically chemistry-wise until later in the season. And even later in the season, you just don't know. Uh, even the Miami Heat team, I mean, that, that first group that was formed, it took them like 50, 60 games in order for them to, you know, really get into a rhythm and find each other's grooves. And, you know, the, the way that Houston just got off to a great start and just continued it throughout the season, it's really remarkable and pretty impressive. So those are kind of my top five. If I was to go in order, I'd probably say Nate McMillan one, Brad Stevens two, uh, Quinn Snyder three, probably, yeah, Mike D'Antoni up there as well. Um, and Dwayne Casey is probably just wrapping that up. But I think all four, all five of those guys definitely deserved a shot. I think Dwayne Casey, the thing about Dwayne Casey people don't really get is did the Raptors played the change the way they played, like fundamentally went back to the drawing board. That's incredibly hard to do if you're a coach. If you're sitting there with a team like with DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, they've known how to play together for years. They've played the same way. They've won 50-plus games. And you go back and you say, all right, we're going to shoot threes now. We're going to stretch the floor more. We're going to move the ball. DeMar, I'm going to get it out of your hands more. You're going to play off ball more. Um, just doing all that stuff is, man, first of all, you got to take a look at, look at yourself in the mirror and say, like, okay, I'm doing this. And, you know, that's a tough thing for a coach to do, especially a guy like Casey who's been in the league forever. It's a tough pill to swallow to say, like, all right, well, I screwed up in the previous years. I'm going to try and change it. So I feel bad for him for, you know, getting fired, honestly, because I think that he did everything he possibly could to try and change the culture and change the way that team played. But, yeah, that, that'd be the way I'd do it. Yeah, I could definitely see that happen, especially with and – and you brought up a good point about Dwayne Casey. He pretty much, you know, went completely back to the drawing board. And, you know, it was it was a shame that he was fired. Um yeah. It's hard. It's hard to predict what he would have been if they would have kept him because, who knows what would happen. And now he's going to try to he's going to try to revamp revamp Detroit's uh, situation with him being named the head coach in Detroit now. 
And if he can have the same effect he had on Toronto, I don't see how, you know, you can't look at him and say he's not a good head coach because he definitely is. But in this sense, and this is only just for me for coach of the year, I think you brought up some good names. You brought up Mike D'Antoni. Um, you brought up Quinn Snyder, Nate McMillan, especially Nate McMillan in Indiana with everything that happened with them. So I could definitely see why you would definitely include Nate McMillan in this conversation. Uh, but Tim, I don't know how you feel about this. Who do you think should be coach of the year? Yeah, I was, um, my last three was, um, Brad Stevens, Quinn Snyder, and, um, Mike D'Antoni. Not in no, um, any specific order. Nate McMullen, um, that's not, um, a far, um, reach to, um, throw him in there either, um, for what the, um, success that Indiana had and getting, um, everything he got out of Big Dollar Depot. I think when he, when they went to go make that trade, I think the conversation between him and other depot was I, they just give him give him the keys and go. Like that's that has been the only real thing that hasn't that other depot didn't have these last couple um seasons with the um the growth of his game. I think that just evolved it even more. Him being the vocal point and just the ball going through him with that offense. Um Brad Stevens, I would give it to him because just from the injury from day one, like Gordon Hayward was a big, a big um, piece of what they were going to do this season. He went down the first game. Kyrie also towards the um, got shut down towards the middle of the season. Al Horford in and out of the lineup. Um, Marcus Smart also, and still be able to win 55 games, one game away from um, the finals. I, I wouldn't see why Brad Stevens wouldn't get it. Um, Dwayne Casey, even though we don't consider the postseason as a reason um as even considered to these awards um he got swept like can't go you can't just not bring up the um, fact that he got swept yeah it was to um the cleveland cavaliers but they were number one they were number one seed going into the playoffs there was no reason why they should should have got swept um mike d'antoni um everything he did with um hard and chris paul and just the rockets as a whole their um philosophy was to shoot threes and make threes. Um, not too many, not too much on the defensive end was their vocal point, but still he could have been considered coach of the year. But hands down, I give it to Brad Stevens. Yeah, no question with that. Um, you know, with all these award shows coming down to the end, it's going to be interesting. Interesting to see who's going to come out on top on the twenty fifth. Um, make sure you tune in. It's going to be on TNT. I think it starts at eight o'clock. Uh, with all those awards being so highly contested between MVP, uh, the thought I'd never say this the the highly contested Rookie of the Year award over the MVP award, and then with everything else that's supposed to go down that night, they're honoring Oscar Robertson, the Big O. He's supposed to get the Lifetime Achievement Award. Also, um, with the way his career, you know, spanned out during the '60s and '70s, uh, first first guy to average a triple double during the season. He's an NBA champion alongside with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for those Milwaukee, Milwaukee Bucks in the early 70s. Uh, his impact on the game is why we see guys like Russell Westbrook doing what they're doing because he was the original. He started this whole, you know, big point guard, you know, making things happen. He was 6'4 when he was playing in the league. So he was he's one of those guys who was just doing things at a high level. I mean, you got to remember, I think it was stated throughout the sixties, he averaged nearly a triple double. He was a rebound away. So it'll, it'll be good to see Oscar Robinson win the lifetime achievement award. Um, what are your guys' opinion on the big O? Great to see a legend get recognized. You know, great to see uh, just that the NBA, you know, I think they do the best job in sports as far as just giving their alumni, I guess you could call them, or retirees, uh, the opportunity to, you know, come back and have these awards named after them, have shows named after them, things of that nature. I I just think that that's great. And I think, uh, you know, their respect level is, is just one of a kind. I do think that Adam Silver does a really good job at just making it genuine, making it different. Uh, and making it um, good for all the players. It is truly a player's league over everything else. Yeah, definitely no question with all that. Tim, what do you think about the big O? Yeah, I don't um, see nothing wrong with them um, 
giving him the lifetime award. Um, big O is a big, uh, big pioneer in the basketball world. Um, helped bring the Bucks, like you said, that only NBA title. Um, at, close average in the triple double. Um, like he for whole season like this. This is this is this is what basketball is all about. Not forgetting the people that paved the way for the players, like you said, like a Russell Westbrook or like another player that would want to go and try to average a triple double. Like I, it's great for basketball. It, it, I I don't see a problem with them giving Big O this award. So. Yeah, no question, no question. Um, but again, like I said, the twenty fifth is going to be an amazing night. Uh, with every, with all the awards going down, with everything supposed to happen, the NBA awards is going to be it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, the only other thing, the only thing I have against the award shows, they should, I think they should have do what they did in the past and just announce all the awards at the end of the regular season because there's so much scrutiny afterwards. Like you'll see players who's supposed to win certain awards, they shrink up once the playoffs roll around. But that's the only knock I have on the NBA awards show. Uh, but other than that, I mean. The 25th is going to be an amazing night. We're going to see who's going to get crowned most of these awards, and it's going to be awesome to see. But, you know, that'll, that'll wrap up today's episode of the Hand Down Man Down podcast. Um, Oliver, thanks so much for coming on, um, for taking yeah, the time really out appreciate to join us on the show. Thanks a lot, guys. If you, yeah, if you can, just, uh, just tell everybody, just tell the people where they can find you at. Yeah, at Omaroni MBA on Twitter. Yeah, find me there, and uh, yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. Hey, man, we appreciate it, man. Well, guys, this is going to wrap up today's episode, and for Tim and myself, we'll catch you guys on the, on the flip side. Peace out. Yeah, peace out.